0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: This is Michael Woodward, and this is Episode 17 of the Jumblethink Podcast.
2: T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
1: On today's episode, we have Mary Totkes. Mary is better known as Chip. She is the founder, owner, and chocolatier of Chubby Chipmunk, based in Deadwood, South Dakota. They make some of the most amazing chocolate you'll ever have. They specialize in hand-dipped chocolates and truffles that are incredible. I'm so excited to have Chip on the show so we can talk a little bit about their origin story, how she got to where she is today, and why she's so passionate about chocolate. I'm also really excited because we're doing a a really great giveaway of chocolates from Chubby Chipmunk. Entering is super easy. All you have to do is go to jumblethink.com and click the Instagram link and follow us on Instagram. That's all you have to do, and once you do that, you're entered to win some amazing chocolate from Chubby Chipmunk. Now let's jump into my episode with Mary Chip Totkiss, the owner and chocolatier of Chubby Chipmunk. Well, Chip, it is amazing to have you on the podcast. Uh, A little bit about my story of how I found out about you. Um, I Um, have my in-laws that live in South Dakota. They moved uh, recently to Spearfish uh, about four years ago. And Mm -hmm. my father-in-law just kept on going on and on and on about this place called Chubby Chipmunk. And, you know, I'm one of those people that I take people's opinions with a grain of salt until I experience it. But then Mm -hmm. I went out to visit them, and this was about two, three years ago, and Uh we went up to your location in Deadwood, and let's just say I was there for a week. There were several days that not only did I go up every day, but I think I went up maybe a couple times a day, (laughs) and my wife was happy about that too, and we loved the the car ride up. But
3: Yeah, well, thank you.
1: I fell in love with your chocolates, and so I, I am so excited to have you on the episode.
3: Well, thank you very much. I it's it's an honor to be asked to do a podcast. So thank you.
1: Now your your nickname's Chip. Uh, your Correct, your huh? actual name is Mary. Uh, tell us a little bit about the story of where that came from, because it sounds like that actually feeds into the the name of Chubby Chipmunk.
3: Oh, it sure does. We're kind of like a a total chipmunk package here. When I was very little, my mother was a nurse up at a Girl Scout camp, and everybody had to have a nickname. And my sister and I were totally enamored with the cartoons Chip and Dale. Okay. And I, being a very forward little four-year-old, decided that I would be Chip, and since her nose was bigger than mine, she had to be Dale. (laughs) And she wasn't really happy with that. And uh, the Dale name never stuck with her. But I've been Chip all my life except for um, doctors, nurses, and uh, the IRS. So, um,
1: (laughs) yeah, so kind of more comfortable with Chip. That's great. And and how did that help spur the name for Chubby Chipmunk?
3: Well, when I decided to uh, start this little bakery when I had first started it, I was trying to think of a name, something cute, whatever. And my mother said, Well, you've been collecting chipmunks all your life, and your name is Chip, so it should have Chipmunk in there. And I go, Okay, well, Chipmunk what? Chipmunk chocolates. And she goes, What about Chubby Chipmunk? And I went, (laughs) Ha, I like that. So um, thanks, Mom. It stuck.
1: That's such a cool name, and it's a cool story. Tell us a little bit about Chubby Chipmunk, what you guys do and how you stand out because you really do
3: well um i know why we stand out because um i know the recipes <laughs> and i we we do things a little different um i see recipes for truffles all the time and i like to think that ours are special because we use real butter and love in everything okay um that's a little you know i can't give away all my secrets but our I totally believe in making something, especially chocolates, and we do the caramel and the toffee, totally decadent. I want, I want anybody that walks in and bites into it to just feel like they're in heaven for a moment. And especially in this day and time where, you know, there's a lot of, I think, sadness and unrest, when we watch people just glow and beam I just say, hey, I've done it. I, you know, this is what has worked, and we will never change the recipes other than adding new truffles. We will not compromise uh, the quality of our ingredients at all, ever. And uh, we might have to get a cheaper bag, but um, I'm trying to keep the price as reasonable as I can, especially in the very um, flexible chocolate market where prices have uh, actually gone up about 25% wow. in the last couple of years. So it's been a little bit of a struggle because it is a gourmet product. The, you know, if you go and you buy like a chocolate bar at the store, um, and you look at your ingredients and you look at the ingredients in ours, a big difference. Yeah. A big difference. You know, sugar is almost half the time the first ingredient in a lot of those. And other than what sugar they use in the actual making of the chocolate, we add nothing. Wow. No, no preservatives. Um, it's just, it's a passion. It's something that. Uh, We've been in business 12 years, and I'm still absolutely in love with what we do every day, and I'm very focused on making the people's experience really good and to walk away with a quality product.
1: Yeah, let's talk about your truffles. Uh, you know, I'm just looking here, and you've got a wide range of options here. Bailey's Irish Cream, uh, Burgundy mm-hmm. Cherry, Buttercream. You have uh, Chipmunk Treasure, which is a chocolate center with toffee and praline and coconut. You've got Creme Brulee, which, side note, is my favorite. Uh, dark <laughs> amuleto, uh dark blackberry, uh, dark caramel, and I think one of the spiciest ones is your Hot Mama. Oh, yeah. You come up with uh, really, really, really cool ideas for your truffles. How mm-hmm. do you, I, you know, I, one of the things we talk a lot about on this podcast is inspiration and and kind of what gets you going. And obviously, you're a creative person because, you know, these aren't your standard, everyone's doing it truffles. How do you process and come up with new ideas?
3: Oh, gosh. Um, I let my mouth do the talking. I start thinking of flavors, and if I start drooling, um, <laughs> I know it might be a winner. And I basically create um, the recipes in my head, and then I try to replicate them when I go into the shop. It's just stuff that pops into my head, or I'll hear somebody say something, and I'll go, ooh, ooh, let's let's do that. Um Sadly, it can also explode. And at one point I had 70 different flavors wow. and realized that was a little overkill yeah. and almost impossible to keep up. So we've cut it back down to, uh, gosh, we do probably 40 to 45 flavors in the shop. And we don't have quite that many <laughs> on the website, but a lot of them are rotating in and out. Um Like, for this week, because it's St. Patty's Day, I've come up with a, it's called a Black Apple. Okay. And the inspiration on that one came from a lady um, that owns the Celtic Connection in Rapid City. And uh, she has everything Irish in there, including her brogue. And. I was talking to her one day and she said um, you know she absolutely loves one that I do called a cheddar beer cheesecake okay and uh, then she said, have you thought about any Irish beverage drinks?" And I said no I hadn't she says, well there's a um, a drink in Ireland that a lot of people do it's called a black apple and what it is is you take Guinness and you it's warm you add apple cider and then you add milk chocolate and you stir it up and you drink it and I went hmm okay so I got some Guinness and uh, we you know we do cook out all the alcohol yeah but uh, came up with it for this weekend and that one won't stay it'll just be a, a holiday uh, variety so I do that a lot
1: that's really it's, cool
3: yeah yeah it's fun
1: so you're located in Deadwood South Dakota which is mm-hmm. in the Black uh Black Hills of South Dakota And you're in this really cool old gas station that's been converted into um, an amazing chocolate shop. You walk in and and it's just inviting and warm and you've got ice cream there. You've got your candy bars. You've got your truffles and you got kind of this old counter and you can look back and see where the chocolate's being made. Why Deadwood and a gas station?
3: Well, it actually came to be that i live here (laughs) okay and um, (laughs) uh, i also was uh, actually nursing at the time and i had injured myself i was also doing some construction because i like to keep busy and i uh, cut an artery in my wrist um falling and landing on a shard of mirror which is yeah, it's uh, runs with scissors. That was my sister's nickname <laughs> for me. Wow. And anyway, so I, you know, kind of was like, oh, well, I can't do nursing. Um, I need to keep busy. And so uh, I know my husband had wanted to rent this old gas station uh, to do some motorcycle repairs. And I'm going like, well, what am I supposed to do? And he goes, well, why don't you just go over there to the building part and make your little chocolates. Okay. I went, okay, I can do that till I go back to nursing and if I can make a little pin money, um, that'll be great, you know, Yeah. and give me something to do and share the chocolates, which I'd been making and doing for quite a while and giving them out at parties and stuff. So uh, we rented this building and uh, I'd say within the first month I've never had to borrow money or anything. It wow. Just uh, took off on its own, um, of course, on a very much smaller scale because there was only myself. And Then before I knew it, it just kept growing, and um, so many serendipitous things would happen. We had a gentleman walk in who it turned out to be an editor from Rachel Ray magazine. He was lost, looking for directions, started eating the samples, and before I knew it, he was saying, oh, we're going to do a story here. Wow. (laughs) And, (laughs) um, And so it, you know, things like that happen a lot, and I just let it flow in. You know, whatever comes in my way. I watched a webinar once with Damon Johns from Shark Tank. Yeah. This was years ago. Two things he said. One, um, my nose are always maybes. Okay. And I've stuck with that. And number two, if you lose, you never lose the lesson. And that is so true. I mean, it really is. It's like there's never been a time that something hasn't gone a little you know, gooey or goofy (laughs) and, and, uh, you know, you're kind of going, Oh, geez. And, but then something comes from it and you go, wow, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have gone on and done this. So, um, it's, you know, I just let things flow. I really do. It's, um, one of those types of things where I don't try to force anything, um, from flavors to employees, you know, things either work or they don't work. And you learn like there are some people that are not suited for this. And there are some people that you just go, Oh, please, please, please never leave me. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I've gone from a one person, uh, business to, I think when my last count was 15 or 16 employees. So, um, it's done quite well. That sounds I really like
1: guess. it. That's but, yeah. so cool. And you've had the opportunity to work with, like you mentioned, Rachel Ray, but your clients are global now and you've gone, you know, most people would say, how in the world would somebody from... Uh, Deadwood have the kind of impact in the chocolate world where people are buying from across the country, but you really have transitioned to where you're not just a local shop, but you're a shop creating stuff that people uh, really connect with at a larger scale.
3: Well, I think um, we're totally honest in what we do and we're totally 100% for the customer. I not want anybody ever to not be satisfied and we'll do whatever it takes to make people completely happy we have a 100 percent satisfaction guarantee i don't care if it's just that oh well i wasn't thinking and i got a lemon meringue but it's not quite what i was even thinking of oh okay pick another one wow we do free birthday truffles so anybody's birthday for a whole week you get to come in and get one truffle Wow! Um, and uh, yeah, I gotta I gotta say that because when I I say one week, I'll be okay. I'll come in for my seven truffles. <laughs> anyway, um, that and you know we what we've done is I love to enter little competitions and kind of see where I stand with you know um is this still as good as I think it is? And we I had entered a competition and um, it was a for a wedding truffle, and I submitted my my uh, truffle and we ended up winning a gold medal in this competition and what happened was they sent out a press release and the press one of the press releases happened to get to hollywood where a company saw it and said hmm you know this this sounds good and so they contacted me and that's actually where we got into the Grammys and got wow. into the Oscar bags. And it, you know, you have something on a scale like that. And, you know, people go, oh, well, I wonder what they taste like. And so we get a lot of people um, that have seen that and want to see what we have. We, a lot of it is actually most of it is word of mouth. Yeah. I think uh, this year was the very first year I did a television commercial you know it's kind of like okay let's see where this goes (laughs) but for the most part word of mouth um gift giving people want to share and that makes that i think just makes me want to keep going on that is more important than anything when i get calls from people oh i came into your shop when you first opened and i want to send christmas gifts and so they send christmas gifts and then the people who got them now call and they want it so it's been a, a very delightful growth of word of mouth. And that tells me I'm doing the right thing.
1: It's so incredible. And you know, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, what sets you apart is butter and a little bit of love and you can taste the love in your truffles. They just yeah. exude and you, can, <laughs> and you can tell the passion in your voice and how you're telling us about it. It's just incredible.
3: Well, it is um, it is a passion. It always was a passion. I, um, I didn't realize it when, I mean, I cooked all my life. My mother would just like, she'd wake up, she said at like six in the morning and she'd smell something and she'd go, oh my gosh, chips in the kitchen. <laughs> and um, I would, there I would be, you know, just coming up with ideas and cooking away and my blessed my mother to actually not come in and go what are you doing she go okay now what's going on here and um (laughs) you know and she really um she really encouraged it you know it, it was it was great my first cookbook was betty crocker cookbook for boys and girls and even though i couldn't read at the time I looked at the pictures and figured things out. I mean there there were a couple disasters like nobody told me you have to cook macaroni before you make macaroni. <laughs> and then I couldn't couldn't remember um, between hot dogs and hard-boiled eggs which one do you rinse with cold water. So I would rinse both of them with cold <laughs> water.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
3: Um, so there was you know, um, or if you're making oatmeal with milk, like my I'd watch my mother do, then it boils over really fast. And, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there were quite a few messes, but she very encouraging, and my dad loved desserts, so you know it was wonderful to always make him something. I tried to bake a cake every every week, and then I had an uncle that was pretty sly, and he said, "I love lemon meringue pies," and so I would make lemon meringue pies I think it was probably about six or seven at the time and every week you go no that's not quite right I-, I think I made lemon meringue pie every week for like a year wow you know, it was like um yeah so
1: that was a smart move on his part
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was you know that was a passion early in life and um I also was an artist and I remember thinking I wanted to go to art school and my father um, was very big on education. We had excellent, I mean, my parents were just phenomenal people. And um, they believed education was premier. And this, you know, that my dad's phrase was, when you get your master's degree, that's when you can think about dating. And uh, so uh, I went to Catholic schools, excellent education, and actually got a full scholarship for a nursing college wow so that kind of set my path and i said but i want to go to art school and my dad said well i'll tell you what you get your rn and then if you still want to go to art school i'll pay for it so i got my rn and then by the time you're done you go oh well maybe i don't want to go back to school for five
1: years (laughs) i'll work for a while yeah
3: and uh and that is actually um i worked for one year of graveyards and wanted to die and I was <laughs> I hated it I couldn't sleep I'd hear the butterflies outside and um, I was up in a little town called Crestline in California and I was uh, watching the little advertising wheel on the television and I suddenly saw this thing that said bake shop for sale and I went hmm. <laughs> And I called and found out about it, and it was really pretty cheap. It was like, I think they said $5,000, and basically what you did is you took over the rental, and that was all the equipment. Excuse me. And so um, I went, and I looked at it, and I went, oh, I have to buy this. I have to do this. Yeah. And so I called my dad, and so I guess he was thinking, well, you know, okay, I'll support her, and he lent me the money. And so over the weekend, I bought a bakery and I went down to the hospital that following Monday and said, told the director of nurses that I had to quit. And she uh, was like, why? You just started. And I said, well, I hate graveyards and I just bought a bakery. And she goes, what? And I said, yeah, I just bought a bakery, so I have to quit. And then she goes, she goes, no. And I went, oh, I can't quit. And she goes. Well, of course you could quit, but hear me out first. She says, well, this is what I'd like to do for you. She says, I'm going to give you a one year leave of absence. Um, I'm going to let you keep all your seniority and all your benefits. Wow. And she said, after one year, if you really want to keep going, I will give you my blessings and let you quit. But after a year, if you decide that you want to come back, We'll try to get you a day position. <laughs> and, uh, so I, um, after a year, I actually um, I had fun, but it wasn't really. It was a lot of work. A single person doing a chocolate shop, and and of course I had to add. Pies and I added 31 flavors of cheesecake, and I, <laughs> you know, I was adding sandwiches and milkshakes, and uh, yeah, it was a little overwhelming. And so, after a year, I just went, hmm, you know, I think I kind of like that regular salary, yeah. So, I went back and uh, continued chocolates and things, uh, for parties and and whatnot, and yeah, so I went back to nursing, and it wasn't until I injured myself that. It all resurrected and had a friend who said, Why don't you yeah, why don't you bring back Chubby Chipmunk? And I'm Oh, I don't know. I did it once and Yeah. So I started it after the injury and it just
1: decided to grow on its own and That's so incredible.
3: Very, very pleased. And obviously I didn't go back to nursing so <laughs>
1: You know, you mentioned that you started cooking at a young age. Um, mm-hmm. Where where did the, the the passion for chocolate start, and how did you learn about it? How did you get to um, the place where you know you're you're making amazing creations of your own?
3: Oh, uh, wow. Um, I think it probably came from my grandmother, who who used to give us Hershey bars. Okay, and. Um, I remember vanilla ice cream and Hershey bars, and my mother was not really big on sugar. She um, was a very healthy person, and being a nurse herself, you know, we ate very, very well. It was um, always a meat, either two vegetables or a vegetable and salad. Dessert was once a week, and we had pop or soda um, once a year on our birthdays and um so when my grandmother gave me this chocolate it was like heaven wow it was it was i was in heaven and it just suddenly became something that i was totally fascinated with um there there was a <laughs> a medicine years ago that people would give their children if they had um an upset stomach um diarrhea that type of thing and yeah it was chocolate flavored Oh. And I I discovered it in the back of the refrigerator one day and, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, and I remember um, my mother walked in the kitchen just as I'm starting to drink it and she goes, no, 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 no. And I just, I was not going to give up that bottle. And I remember Uh, (laughs) uh, running around and around and around the dining room table, and she's trying to chase me and get it back from me. And um, I'm not quite sure how it ended. I just remember the running around and around and around the table. Um, But, yeah, chocolate just became a real focus. And maybe the all the endorphins you get from good chocolate that makes you feel good.
1: Yeah, for but sure. I think it
3: started then. It probably started then.
1: Wow. That's that's a really cool story. I love <laughs> it. Now, you yeah. know, your name is Chubby Chipmunk um, uh-huh. um, and it's a very cool name. Uh, very catchy, very Thank rememberable. You. But you also have a passion for not just the chocolate world, but also animals. So tell us a little bit about what's yes, going on I in do. your community and and what's happening
3: well, I'm I'm very big. There's a couple things that I'm passionate about. Is I'm um, passionate about children, very you know young children that um, need to be given a chance. I'm also passionate about animals, and um, I'm big on the rescue side of it, where uh, animals that are not being taken care of or you know, mistreated very big on, I'm very anti puppy mills and especially not all of them. I should say, I should rephrase that. I am passionately against puppy mills that abuse animals um, that are just out for the money that do not take care of their, their, um, their charges. And it just makes me ill. And we recently had a rescue, um, we were told well when i say we it's you know the the people that are in charge uh they found out about a puppy mill um i think it was mid-state and uh they went down there and it was deplorable absolutely deplorable conditions animal cages stacked on top of each other and you know the the filth and the just it was just horrible despicable condition and so they rescued 75 dogs, um, I can't remember how many cats, a few bunnies, and one bird. And uh, so they brought them all back to the Black Hills um, Humane Society uh, in Rapid City. Uh, well, the 75 animals has now doubled. It is now 150 because they were all pregnant. Wow. Um, and so I set out a box to try to help both at both my shops i actually have two shops now and uh to try to just spearhead a little of the donations to help keep these animals and the humane society going because at the beginning when everything started we had lots and lots of donations and you know it's pretty normal when the first call goes out You know, everybody is very passionate and not to say they're not passionate now, but when once people donate, they usually do not donate again. Right. And so at this point. With the doubling of the animals, not being able to put any up for adoption till the court case is over, um, they are in pretty big dire straits. So um, we try to help as much as we can. Um, Chubby Chipmunk has donated also, and I do believe um, not too far away we're going to do a fundraiser on our own too, and give away chocolates and you know try to um, make something that's a horrible situation a little better.
1: Yeah, and if our listeners are listening, they can go to the Black Hills Rescue uh, Mission. We'll put a link in in the episode notes too, and they can uh, get involved by supporting that cause, which is uh, doing some amazing things through a situation that's not great.
3: Right, right, and you know to see the animals uh, come back from uh, skin and bones to. Uh, just a beautiful animal is it just makes you feel really good and i think what i notice with animals is they have such a compassion such a passion for love okay that no matter what the conditions are um and you can they actually can pass that point of just being so fearful and so scared and um you know you watch the beauty of the animal come back through and Actually, I have a dog that just walked in that is dragging something wet and spooky. <laughs> I'm not sure what. It, oh, it's an old toy that kind of drug around in the snow. So okay. and actually my, my dog was a rescue um, also. So and when I got her, she would I could hold her. And now um, uh, whew, she basically holds me. She's part. <laughs> we we did a DNA and she's part newfie. So, yeah, she kept growing.
1: Yeah, for sure. You mentioned that you're passionate about young kids that may have been um, um, forgotten or not given the chance that they uh, should have. You've mentioned uh, animals and what's going on Mm -hmm. there. And and on your website, you talk about uh, your community and giving to the community. What do you think Mm -hmm. the responsibility of – Business owners uh, in their local community should be because it, it obvious. It's obvious that you you've taken a stance that you're gonna not just live for yourself and not just live for the dollar, but you're you're putting your customers ahead, and it looks like you're really uh, trying to love your community too.
3: Well, I here's my theory.
1: <laughs> okay, um,
3: is that money does not buy happiness. But you have to have money if you want to stay in business. Yeah. And uh, so there is, you know, there is a a point where okay, I'm doing I'm doing okay. I now, I I don't need it. I, I drive a 2001 um, Toyota Rav. I love my Rav. I have no desire to buy a new car or anything like that. And I am content. I am happy. I am warm dressed, fed well. And so what I like to do is see that I can, I've reached a point where I can help others too. I can't help everybody right? because if you saw the amount of donation requests, um, it would would be like mind-boggling. I get them from everywhere now. (laughs) And so I, you know, I do kind of put what I am passionate about first. And so if it, you know, deals with rescues or like um, fundraising for a child with cancer and it's sad, but I'm seeing more and more of that, you know, little, little toddlers that suddenly have, you know, their, their chance is just so minimal and the uh, amount of medical bills that people get. And so I try to help with that and um, with the animals. and I just believe that when you're a business, you can't do it all. So you pick the things that touch your heartstrings, that you're passionate about yourself, and if you can help, you do. And I also like to believe in my employees. and I my my goal, my goal is to have, Every employee making a salary that they can feel comfortable with and and live on. So, I, you know, I really, I really like to reward my my staff. We have a lot of potlucks and (laughs) and food things, and um, you know, just trying to be there for them. Like I totally believe in if an employee has a sick child. All I need to say is, though, yeah, um, I will figure out how to how to do something else. You know, we'll we'll get around the fact that uh, we're short a person because family is so, so important and your children are so important. And no parent would really want to have to work full time and not be with their children if they didn't need to. So you add the stressor of a child that is ill. And say you have a boss as well, you know, I'm sorry, we need you, you know, you can't go. Yeah. And what does that do to a parent? I mean, it just, I had, like I said, I had an excellent director of nurses that she taught me so much. Number one, that compassion that she had for me um, to probably also see ahead of things that, well, this is a real hard thing you're taking on. Yeah. And number two, that was how she was. If you, I had a child that had um, seizures and asthma, and there were many times that I was called, and you know, um, they were having to take him to the emergency room or something like that, and that was what she did. She just said, "Go."
1: Wow, that's incredible. And
3: it is something that, you know, people are special. People are really, really special, and if you treat them with just, you just treat everybody a little special Yeah, and you will, it's remarkable how you watch people glow, you know? Um, It's, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I love what I do. I love to watch people being happy and that's, that's probably kind of it in a nutshell.
1: That's so good.
3: No, it's, it's not about the money it really isn't, you have to have the money to keep going. You have to have the money to grow. Um, but if you can also make it a happy place, make it a good place to work, make, you know, make it good for the people that work there, good for the people that come in, then, Hey, you know, well, that's a lot to accomplish. And it yeah, for sure.
1: good. yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's incredible. And I think there's a lot of great wisdom there. Um, as a person that's owned my own business, continue to do Mm -hmm. that, had uh, numerous employees. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a dynamic that, that, um, that is definitely something you have to be intentional about, but it's something that you have to do with compassion and love. Um,
3: Oh yeah. And I'm not saying that it's, it's not always, um, you know, it's not always easy, especially if you have an employee that is not a good fit. Right. And, and I think that is the hardest thing for me to do is to have to let someone go because they just don't get it, you know, or they don't have the same, um, they don't have the same desires I have. They don't, uh, you know, because t- to me, an uh, employee wa- or a customer walks in, they should feel like they're queen of the day or king yeah. of the day. Yeah. And, um, and it's very difficult too. And I know this from experience. Anybody can walk into a McDonald's or uh, fast food, anything that is well known. Starbucks, you name it. Um, To walk into a little unknown shop,
1: you know, is (laughs) yeah,
3: um, that takes a little bit more courage. Yeah. And so I always tell my employees: never make somebody feel wrong for coming in here. Never make them feel bad. Never make them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And, um, you know, there have been instances where, you know, I have had complaints and, you know, it's like that is the immediate thing I do is go to that employee and go, hey, do you know that um, this person was very upset with you? Yeah. And usually the employee is shocked. They either um, something went wrong that day or um, a, a family issue. at and- And they're just, you know, kind of out of sorts. But it's one of those things, if you need to walk away from the counter, you know, nobody should stay up there if they feel they're going to go and tackle, you know, a customer. (laughs) Um, That's the point where, you know, and it does get crazy busy. I mean, we have um, had, you know, I keep going, when is the day that I got to have numbers? But we actually have people that it's out of the shop and around the corner. and. That's been just unbelievable. And I love hearing the stories from people that how did they find us? And, and um, you know, it, 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 it does crack me up. I probably, um, you know, might even remember um, the people that keep coming back that are on vacation. I had one man that fell in love with our Blackberry, and he got one. And then he came back about, oh, five minutes later and got a couple more. (laughs) And then he came back, um, I think, oh, a couple hours later and bought a dozen. (laughs) And then he called and said that he wanted to order two dozen to take back home with him.
1: Wow. And,
3: uh, yeah. (laughs) So that's always – that tells you you've got a good flavor there. Um, You can also know when you don't have a good flavor because I've made some flavors – that uh, it's a very, very simple thing. I always have samples and that I picked up when I was, I actually was very little and we had a C's chocolate um, shop.
1: Yeah, I know C's, and yeah.
3: Yeah, and so we had it by our house and very rarely my mother would go down there and take us and buy a gift for someone and they always gave you a free a free chocolate. And um, so I never picked a good one. I don't know how I always picked something. I picked it by the look and it was always something weird like coffee or, you know, something a child wouldn't like. And one day I got one and I hated it. And my mom said, well, you picked it. That's your chocolate for the day. And I was so upset. And I remember crossing my little arms and sitting in the back seat and just grumbling to myself and thinking, the day, when I have my own chocolate shop, I'm going to have lots of samples people can taste there. So they never have to go away without what they want. And it's it's funny that that thought resurrected when I was starting the whole, the whole business. So we always have free samples. And how I know if something's going to work is you have your sample and you sample the new one. Now, if people go, hmm, that's good. Um, But they don't order it. You kind of are suspect, and so you just wait. We do this for one week. And if they taste it and they go, oh, my God, put two in the box, then I know I have a winner. That's cool. It's very simple. It only takes a week, you know, one batch. And, uh, yeah, so a couple of them weren't that popular. Um, I think the lavender one. Oh, I just, I, I, I made it. But I couldn't myself get past the fact that it tasted like potpourri, you know, it was like, this is a smell, it shouldn't be a taste. And so, uh, but I have one customer that I swear calls every year and says, have you made the lavender again? Oh, have wow. you made the lavender again? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's, that's basically, you know, I try to keep things simple, you know, it's it doesn't have to be complicated and, um, you know, we do um, have the uh, rare chocolate that we carry now. Yeah, too. the
1: Fortunato number four, right? The number four. Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Tell us a little bit about Fortunato well, number four. Well, that was
3: a really um, another serendipitous type thing. I was reading Dessert Professional magazine, and I came across a small article about this rare chocolate, and. And um, I went, wow, that's really interesting. And they didn't give a lot of information about it. So I wrote the editor, and he actually wrote me right back and said, oh, my goodness, yeah. You know, I actually have the number for the gentleman who brings it in. And I went, oh, I'd like to know more. So I call that number, leave a message. Within an hour, I'm getting a call back from the man who rediscovered this chocolate wow and to put the story in a nutshell um this was uh the number one chocolate in the 1800s okay it was um it was pure nazi and all now you'll see that name in other other chocolates but it is not pure it is like a hybrid where other pods have mixed in and stuff and uh he was in peru way back in the in the outreaches of Peru and looking for bananas because he uh, was helping a man who owned Inland Fruit Company and uh he saw this what he called a funny looking tree and he looked at the the farmer and said well what's that and farmer kind of chuckled and said cacao chocolate and you know uh Dan Pearson who is the man who found it with his son Brian Horsley uh They looked at each other, you know, and and the farmer gave them a pod and split it open and they were blown away. You know, this is what chocolate looks like? So they, um, when they got back to a place, they could research it more. They just kept looking at it and it wasn't quite looking like the chocolate pods of chocolate now. And so what they did was they sent some samples to the USDA and and the scientists did all this research and asked for more samples and they called him up one day and they said are you sitting down because you're not going to believe what you found this chocolate was thought to be extinct wow uh, blight had come through ecuador yeah wiped it completely out and but what they did not know was that some of it was growing in peru okay and so they found um, the mother tree and her 12 little kids. That was all that was left was 13 trees. And so um, they have now made it into um, a business and a business that is just phenomenal as far as um, the same type of business that I myself would love to be a part of, which I am because they care so much about the farmers. They have taught them, how to grow this because it is um, a very sustainable uh, product if it's done right. They've take, made samplings, and they now have, I believe, 3,000 farmers that are growing this and being able to make a better living for their, their families. And down there, farms are not, you know, it's not like that. Thousands of acres. You have some farmers that only have five acres, right. but they've taught them how to do this. They go out to the farmer. I got to help harvest the the pods and it's not an easy task. I mean, you're going one pot at a time and you open them up by cracking them on a rock and pulling the beans out. And um, But what Brian does who actually lives down there now, um, they take their money, they go and they they pick up the, the pods. The seeds, and they pay the farmer there because a lot of them they have no transportation. Yeah, they're miles away from uh, the the factory, which is it's so funny to call it a factory because it's very bare bones, basic. Right. And um, you know, I just you you watch these people and the connection that they have with Brian, who is a godfather to half the yeah, children yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I have people always asking, is this fair trade? And I um, I said, we like to say it's better than fair trade because these farmers cannot afford those licensing
1: fees yeah, for yeah. fair
3: trade. And so what Brian likes to do is pay them a little more than what the standard, all these other cocoa bean, you know, people are getting paid by the big companies. and But you can't pay too much more or there'll be a lot of, you know, it, it a lot of unrest and you know bad feelings so they do a lot for these people they um you know they'll they'll take them a, a generator if you know something goes off they um they help them you know put down a cement floor um you know they they try to do so much and we've done several fundraisers actually to um, help these people. We did a rice stove project where they can burn the rice hulls, hulls, and and that's been completed. And we're working on starting a new um, thing too to help the people down there who are the most gracious, beautiful, uh, giving people that I've ever met. I mean, you can have a family of um, seven people, and they um, they just sleep on the dirt floors. They wash their clothes in the stream, and yet they will share meal they want to share with you
1: wow that's and crazy.
3: um it it is yeah it, it really is and it's way 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 off the beaten path so it's quite an adventure to get there but yeah. um yeah it's now a a secret area and um we can't disclose any of that okay but uh i've gone twice i'm ready to go again and uh it but sounds we amazing. carry the chocolate, yes, yeah. and we do carry the. Um, we have a milk variety now that we carry. Oh, and that's okay. That's forty-seven percent milk. Okay. Which is very, if when people talk about percentiles in chocolate, a hundred percent would be there's absolutely no sugar whatsoever right. in right. that chocolate or anything else, and and so you start going up down the scale. So like an eighty percent chocolate is a very um, a, a deep semi-sweet chocolate it's um you know and um, 72 is considered um, the most tasty of the dark darkest and as you really get into the benefits of chocolate you will want to get you know a higher percentile well most milk chocolates between 29 and 32
1: percent yeah we
3: have a 47 percent milk wow so all the extra properties that are good out of chocolate are um, In that. And just uh, real quickly, a scientist did a study on Fortunato, the the dark, and uh, discovered did the antioxidant testing and found out that it has 17 times the antioxidants as
1: blueberries. Wow.
3: So this is like, um, it is like a must have food, I think. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I've actually tasted the Fortunato number four Uh uh, at your location. I got uh, a bar, uh, It was before you had Did the milk Did you get version. the jar?
3: Oh well, I'll yeah. have to send you a milk.
1: Oh, okay. Let you try it. I'd yeah. love that. I'd I'm, love that.
3: Yeah, we're pretty hooked on the milk with the almonds. And, oh, uh, that
1: sounds amazing.
3: It, it sounds is. Amazing. It is.
1: <laughs> I have a couple last a uh, couple questions for you. Um, and, okay. And they're more for our listener than they are um, about what you're doing. But mm-hmm. if 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 somebody's listening and they say. I'm passionate about chocolate, but I don't know how to get into the industry. What are some recommendations you might have for them?
3: Well, um, if you're passionate about chocolate, you want to get in the industry, read all you can. Um, play at home. You know, uh, practice. There's um, Tempering is the number one problem I think most people have. Um, which leads them not to use real chocolate because tempering is a process where you're going to get um, a a nice looking chocolate that doesn't have streaks of white in it and stuff. And there's a thing called bloom. Yeah. And um, you can have a fat bloom or a sugar bloom. And One is about temperature, one is about moisture. And so a lot of people that are making chocolate, they run into these problems and they get discouraged. And I I just say, if you read an art, just Google chocolate. Read about it. If it is too complex to read, the person just wants to show their knowledge (laughs) more so than trying to help you. So find the articles that you understand. And, and you go, oh, wow, well, that was simple because you can read the scientists' versions of tempering, as such. And yeah. it's so, oh, the crystals need to fall out of this. And when you have <laughs> this, uh, you know, and then they you show you all your chemical, <laughs> you know, and you're kind of going, huh? <laughs> no. uh, so then you'll have another one that goes, okay, slowly stir your chocolate and then add it, you know, this amount and keep stirring. Um, the the whole trick with chocolate is never um never getting it too hot.
2: Yeah.
1: Wow. That's crazy. And and yeah. I think the last question that I, I, I like to ask all of my guests is mm-hmm. what is one dream that you're still wanting to fulfill in your life?
0: Oh,
3: gosh. Um, well, um, I think oh, I was looking at um, zip lining. Oh, I okay. Wanna, I want to zip line. I got to right. do that. And I do want to do a little more traveling, and, um, you know, that that comes, that actually does come with the territory, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, you can do traveling, but I'm usually so busy I haven't had a chance to get away <laughs> too much. So I would like to do that. I would like to see um, Chubby Chipmunk um, go, when I am ready to go off into the great beyond, um, I'd like to see it still continue on with my family. And I do have a son now that works and manages the second shop we have in Rapid City. Okay. And yeah, and that's at the Hotel Alex Johnson, yeah. right downtown. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know what? I don't. I am so darn content that I don't feel any real burning need that I have not done what I need to do in life. I've skied the Alps. okay i um i did a lot of really fun stuff um you know in my 20s and you know that is one thing that i highly recommend is um, i had a grandmother used to say don't wait too long to do stuff because by the time you get think you can afford it your eyes don't see it your legs don't (laughs) want to carry you there and and your teeth don't want to chew it. So oh. um, I've I've done that. You know, I just uh, decide sometimes that you get an opportunity, just jump for it. Like Peru, I've now gone twice. I got to take an employee the first time, my son the second, and the third one will be um, one of my real um, diehard employees. Yeah. And give them that experience because it is, it's an experience of a lifetime. And it's kind of like you... When you're on a tour that somebody's developed, you don't, you know, you kind of get what they want to show you and you get what everybody sees. This is kind of like that adventure where you're never going to get this. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we're climbing, you know, hills and, you know, (laughs) uh, know, it's just, it is amazing. You know, you have, you see the burrows carrying stuff to market and, um. You know, when we first – the first time we went there, we had to uh, travel across, like, raging rivers on barges. And, oh, my goodness. And, and longboats, and it was like, oh,
1: my gosh, look
3: at this. <laughs> um, but it it was amazing, and, you know, I can't wait to do it again. So I really – you know, it's kind of that – how cool is it to be so darn content with your life?
1: Yeah, yeah. You
3: know, and – Watch the next, my my grandchild, I have two grandchildren, two little girls, and I, um, you know, they already, and it's so funny because they, rather than call me Grandma Chip, for some reason, they've developed it into Grandma Chipmunk. <laughs> and they don't think anything of it, and they'll just, you know, Grandma Chipmunk, what? No, so that's so cute. But, you know, I see them working there someday. Wow. You know? and, and that's, that's, that would be i think my goal is to pass this on yeah and also make it so that any employee who wants to be part of this crazy ride um will will be part of it and will be um you know compensated for that
1: yeah so so good. Well, you have lived uh, a life of an adventure and amazing things. It's so cool to hear the stories. There's a great well, quote. Thank you. There's a great quote by a guy named Leonard Ravenhill that says, The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. And it seems like, like I love that you just step into these opportunities that are uh, amazing. And And it's so great to hear your journey. So thanks so much for sharing that with us.
3: Thank you. Yeah, I think that's a a big thing. People don't recognize an opportunity and they get fearful and they overthink it. And I kind of, um, I married a man who just said, go for it, you know, oh, you want to do that? I I mean, I will say something like, oh, you know, we need to go such and such um, because I see they have this. And he goes, okay, when? (laughs) <laughs> and, um, and you know, he's just a hundred percent behind me. He's wow. my rock and he is just totally, you just go and do it. You don't think it through. And so many people overthink things and then they talk themselves out of it.
1: Wow. That's so and good. And
3: I think that is a big key is kind of like close your eyes, hold your nose and jump.
1: <laughs> yep. 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 Well, I appreciate you so much taking time out of your day. I know you're busy with running the shop and stuff. Uh, It's amazing to hear your stories and it's amazing to hear what you're doing. Uh, So thanks so much for being on the podcast.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you very much for asking me. I appreciate that very much.
1: It's been such an honor and a lot of fun having Mary Chip Totkiss, the owner and chocolatier of Chubby Chipmunk on as my guest today. She's making amazing chocolate. You can go to chubbychipmunk.com and you can learn more about their chocolates and what they're creating. Don't forget we're also doing a really fun giveaway of some of the chocolates from Chubby Chipmunk. So if you're a chocolate lover or just like chocolate because it's awesome, you should go to jumblethink.com, click on the Instagram button, and once you go to the Instagram page, make sure you follow us on Instagram. It's going to be worth it. You're going to love the chocolate and you want to win this giveaway. While you're at jumblethink.com, make sure you go to the episode notes. All of the links that we talked about, uh, whether it's the Black Hills Animal Rescue, whether it's Chubby Chipmunk, no matter what, all the stuff we talked about in the episode, links are right there in the episode notes, and you can kick over and check out the amazing things that Chubby Chipmunk has going on in Deadwood, South Dakota. I also want to take a moment to thank my other guests, you, the listener. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to bring the stories of our amazing guests to you, our listener. And I hope that these stories encourage you to chase your own dreams, to find the things you're passionate about, and take the risk to step out and create something amazing. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Tirez-vous doucement, mais complètement.
3: En avant, en arrière, sur les côtés. Vous
1: êtes une autre personne. Les mères de famille, les enfants également prendre un moment revitalisant. Dans quelques mois, lorsque vous aurez bien saisi la technique et que vous serez maître de votre corps,
3: vous pourrez vous décontracter même en travaillant.